Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special mini episode of the Naked Security Podcast. I'm Paul Ducklin, and I'm joined today by my old friend and colleague, Chester Wisniewski. Hello, Chester. Hey, Doc. It's great being back on the podcast. Thanks for uh, making some time for us to have a little chat and share some thoughts with folks. Yes. Well, Chester, let's get straight to it, because the entire reason for this mini-sode is an article that you just published where you have introduced our readers to the idea of beg bounties. For those listeners who know about bug bounties, which are the programs that companies like Sophos run that provide a structured way for bug hunters to say that they found a problem in the software, get it fixed, and possibly get paid for it, this is kind of working the other way around. It's people who sort of call you out of the blue and they just happen to have something that you need to pay them for. Yeah, well, let's let's be careful to differentiate from the, you know, legitimate bug bounty. And, and as you just said, uh, obviously, that's where you're soliciting for feedback. And there's been a variant of that called bug bounty previously, where you may get submissions for things that are out of scope in your bug bounty. Perhaps you say that a certain website is not uh, in scope or qualifies for bounties. And if you've run one of these programs, you'll have gotten a lot of requests going, hey, I found something outside of the scope. Will you please pay me? Those are kind of beg bounties too, but that's not what we're talking about here. In fact, I almost dismissed it as spam when I first saw them. They they reach out to you uh, suggesting that you have some serious flaw in your website or uh, security configuration that's internet facing, and you ought to contact them so that they can tell you all about the flaw and, of course, in the process, um, what kind of reward can they get. And I'm being a little vague because there's a lot of variants here. So technically, Chester, I guess it is spam, right? Because it's unsolicited email. You didn't ask for it. Yeah. The only difference between this and spam, I guess, is that it's not just randomly bulk. In, in the cases I was able to investigate where they pointed out a specific type of bug in a web page, for example, that flaw was in fact present on that recipient's website. Right. So it wasn't that they were sending everyone a thing saying they had that flaw. They were only sending it to people that did have the flaw. But it certainly has the appearance, based on the samples I collected, that it was being done at bulk scale, if not randomly scattered. They were probably emailing a thousand different websites that all had the exact same bug that they were able to find using some sort of automated scanner. There was no real uh, analysis involved in any of these messages. So you could imagine a simple variant of this could be someone goes on a, a Shodan type website or a census type website, finds a list of companies that have exposed RDP to the outside world, even if they meant to, and then send them an email that refers to that specific issue. Yeah, and but a lot of it was also overhyped, uh, Duck, in, into making rather uh, unimportant things sound overly important. So one of the examples in the blog post is they emailed saying that uh, you had a serious web vulnerability uh, and that you had not deployed DMARC. Which has nothing to do with the web, right? It's an email security protocol. Exactly. DMARC is intended to prevent people from impersonating you in phishing attacks. And while it's a great thing to have, especially if you're a brand like a bank that may be frequently impersonated to try to trick victims into disclosing passwords and things, by no means is it a vulnerability to not have it. 
And it's certainly not something in your website. So the technical details are often incorrect and, and feel very spammy in nature. So in your experience, are the, I'm going to call them scammers, do you think they are focusing on small businesses that may have become much more active on the web recently due to coronavirus problems? I think there's a whole spectrum there. And certainly at worst, it's scattershot and targeting just about anyone and anything and not targeting small businesses in particular. I talked to some of our internal security people at Sophos. And in fact, we get quite a, a regular quantity of these coming into our reports, mostly of the variety around things like DMARC. And we're quite a large company, clearly. So I don't think there's any targeting that way. The variety of the samples I looked at kind of show everything from clearly what I would consider malicious and even criminal intent uh, on one end to very close to legitimate, but perhaps just crossing a line that's a cultural line. And the one I went into most detail on was a, um, a bug hunter who went by the name of Faisal. He wasn't trying to withhold the solution. He wasn't trying to threaten or make any specific demand. He clearly was trying to generate leads for his uh, penetration testing business. And he was very uh, polite and non-threatening in all the communication I had with him and was very close to legitimate. Uh, but because of the nature of the solicitation, I would still mark that as uh, somebody I, I'm comfortable doing business with. Faisal sounds like a guy who's maybe, you know, just a little bit of a wide boy trying it on. And, you know, I guess if he's trying to grow a business in a way, you kind of think good luck to him. The other end of the spectrum is definitely devious, isn't it? That's the, I have found a vulnerability on your website, and when you have agreed to pay with me money, I will tell you what it is. Uh, absolutely. And and uh, it's hard to know whether those are even being targeted at people that have real vulnerabilities because they didn't tell me what they thought they had found. So there was no way for me to confirm the veracity of their claim. And you never had responses when you tried to contact those kind of people, did you? No, I, I did not. I, I did uh, make attempts at, at reaching uh, four different people that were engaged in this activity that I had permission on behalf of the recipients to contact on their behalf. And the only one that responded was Faisal. And uh, as I say, my, my interactions with him were quite, quite good. But I, I don't think um, with something as serious as uh, testing your website for vulnerabilities and ensuring that your internet presence is safe and secure, I don't think these are the right way to start a relationship down that path, right? <laughs> no. If you get one of these and you're concerned, it's it's right, it's good to be concerned because if if there is any truth to them, there there are things that should be addressed. But I I don't think I would engage the person asking you for the business. I think I would uh, contact someone who's local and trusted that you're already doing business with for managing your security within your organization. Certainly, ask for their professional opinion or ask them to look into it. And, you know, depending um, on the resources you have available, I, I think every organization should be having even the most basic of penetration tests against their website once or twice a year just to be sure they haven't missed anything. Yes, my, my take on that, Chester, is that if you don't do it, you can be jolly sure the crooks will. Well, that, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, uh, people are constantly scanning and these emails are proof of it, right? Yeah. So if you weren't aware of this before and you do get one of these emails... These are just the ones that were nice enough to try to extort you. Think about the ones that are even more evil that won't bother to extort you because they'd rather just steal everything. Yes, indeed. The difficult thing, particularly I imagine for many small businesses, are those 
middle ground, I'm still going to call them scammers, who are saying, oh, I found a problem with your website slash email slash something you do online. But then they'll paste in basically a load of techno babble that they've either got from a network scan they actually did, or maybe something out of an article on Wikipedia. It could be anything like that to make it sound more technically important than it really is. Even if they're not out to break into your network and do bad stuff, there's no reason to believe that they have any idea what they're talking about. And letting someone like that look after or look into your cybersecurity on your network could make everything 10 times worse. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the tech support scammers throwing some technical details at you, knowing that you probably don't understand them, right? And I remember one of these tech support scams calls that I let run for a while that I was on with, you know, they started asking me to look for event IDs in the event viewer in Windows. And if you were a non-technical person, that would be very affirming that these people knew what they were doing, right? It was technical things you wouldn't understand that just seemed to confirm the legitimacy. And that's what I think you're referring to. Considering the uh, the nature of many of these emails are quite sloppy, if you look at the screenshots in the blog post, you'll notice they're not very professionally put together in most cases. That alone tells you the care with which this person has put into contacting you. I would not be allowing them to put that same uh, uh, level of effort in to try and help me fix problems with my site. What's a small business to do if it gets one of these and thinks, well, I can't ignore it? and there doesn't seem enough detail to go to somebody else, what's the harm in engaging with these people to try and find out more? That's really what they're after, isn't it? They're hoping that you won't go and ask someone you trust. You'll try and get more information out of them, and then they won't let you get back to the person you trust. They'll, they'll try and get you to commit to doing business with them. Yeah, and I, I, my opinion here as well is uh, the, the costs that they're demanding, which at least in the case that I was able to interact with was between 500 and 2,500 US dollars. Uh, at that $500 end of the scale, to be honest, you should be able to get a perfectly legitimate security person uh, in your community to help you investigate and discover these things. Because none of the issues that were in any of the emails I reviewed were things that you wouldn't be able to find with a free tool in about 15 minutes. Right. So uh, any competent pen tester would be able to perform a service like that for you for less than what these guys are demanding. I mean, $500, they don't need $500 to have somebody run a tool for 10 minutes. Uh, anybody competent would probably do that for you for far less money with the hopes of gaining your legitimate business over the course uh, uh, in the future of, of continuing to work with them. And more importantly, if you choose someone that you trust and can do this properly, then they will also be able to set your mind at rest about things they find that look bad but are not issues, like the DMARC thing that you spoke about, because there's nothing worse than getting taken off course by trying to solve a problem that isn't really going to do you any good. Because it's not just that you're wasting money, you're wasting time, and at the end of doing whatever it is you do, you kind of end up with a false sense of security, don't you? Because you think you've done something really important which will benefit you. In fact, you may have overlooked stuff that was far more relevant and far more pressing. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And and I think, you know, for a lot of small businesses, it, you may not have an existing security relationship uh, for help, having somebody help you with security issues. If you don't, this is a great opportunity to establish that, right? Reach out, talk to some of your peers, figure out who they're working with that they trust. 
look up a Sophos partner in your area. The, most of them offer these types of services and can help you out. And we've, to some degree, already vetted them to be legitimate uh, providers of security solutions that you can trust and uh, you know, establish that relationship. If you already have a relationship with somebody that understands security, then this is just a reminder, if you haven't checked in with them recently, to get a hold of them and, and uh, you know, have uh, your security posture that's facing the internet reviewed and making sure that you're still in good shape. So Chester, at the risk of sounding crassly commercial, where do Sophos's own managed threat response and rapid response services fit in? Because they're not really penetration testing services, are they? But they are a part of an overall security readiness campaign, if you like, that you can build in along with penetration testing services, just in case something does go wrong. Yeah, I mean, certainly our, our managed threat response service uh, provides this type of thing for the inside of your network. What you know, what what security things are uh, making sure they're being monitored correctly, detecting if anything has been exploited. Um, it maybe you know if your website has a vulnerability, we would be able to um, you know detect if somebody's been actively exploiting that, and of course, hopefully, lock them down and prevent that from going any further. And certainly, if you do have an incident, our, our rapid response team is always at the ready to come in and uh, contain that and help you clean up after that and try to kind of close the holes that were present that allowed an attacker to, to breach your security. As you say, that's not exactly a penetration test. It's not a service we offer directly, but it, it does go hand in hand with, um, I, I think, a, a good security hygiene for an organization, which is occasionally have some third parties uh, test, uh, testing you from the outside or attacking you from the outside. Uh, in a trusted manner or within a defined scope of things that you feel comfortable with, and then monitoring for breach using services uh, like our MTR service or uh, similar uh, security monitoring services from our partners to to, to ensure that uh, your defensive posture and your preventatives were actually working. Because it's increasingly common, isn't it, that if you see some malware on your network that gets detected, that gets automatically mitigated, removed and cleaned up, that may not be the end of things. It may just be the sign that an attack is underway or that someone is having a look around to see what kind of things work and what kind of things don't. Uh, precisely. I mean, you, you really want to set up uh, some trip wires with some bells around your campsite, right? And if you hear the bell jingle, you need to go investigate. It could just be uh, a raccoon or something trying to get into your camp, but it, it also could be uh, somebody, you know, trying to break in and, and steal your provisions. So, uh, you know, I, I think these days we understand that prevention is not uh, always attainable. And so uh, a good vigilance for investigating any of those uh, alarm bells that you've set uh, is, is really important in order to stop all kinds of threats. I mean, we talk so much about ransomware and things, but you know, when we when we look at these big ransomware attacks, I go, wow, if you position your defensive posture to be able to defend against this, you've also positioned yourself to defend against pretty much all the other types of threats we see out there. Absolutely. Chester, to wind up, I would like you to tell our listeners where they can find the Sophos Labs GitHub page that provides IOCs or indicators of compromise for a lot of the threats that we deal with. Sure. Well, we have a couple different GitHubs uh, we publish information on, primarily for indicators of compromise or IOCs, as you referenced. You can go to github.com slash Sophos Labs, and you'll see one of the projects that we have under that is I, lowercase o, capital C, lowercase s. 
uh, IOCs. Um, so that's where you can get the indicators of compromise. And we, all, we publish other uh, useful Sophos tidbits uh, in there as well. And for folks that are interested in some of the uh, publicly available uh, data sets we've been releasing as part of Sophos AI, they also have a GitHub page where you can get our uh, 20 million sample data set we released uh, with reversing labs and some other very useful security things there. And uh, that is github.com slash Sophos hyphen AI. Excellent. Chester, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thanks very much for the work you did on that uh, Beg Bounties article. I really enjoyed it. And to everyone listening, thanks for doing so. And until next time, stay Stay secure. secure.